We're in Romans 5, and we're looking at the first five verses. So let's read those verses together. Romans 5, verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Man, what precious verses and precious truths that we have here to examine tonight And uh, I am insufficient for the task, I promise you that. But we're going to do our best together. And I want you to notice that there's a phrase in verse 1 and verse 2. We've been highlighting this every week. It says, we have. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have. Verse 2, by whom also we have. So there are some things when we are justified, when you are saved by the good grace of God, there are things that you can now say, I have. There are things that you get. We pointed out three. Brother Garrett, if you'll throw up that little three-point outline I put there at the beginning. This is the old outline here. Here's the three things you got. Number one, you got peace with God. Do you see that in verse number one? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And let me just reiterate real quick, that just simply means the war is over. Thank God. I'm glad me and God, we're not enemies anymore. Thank God. We're not enemies. We're not even just close friends. Thank God we're family. Amen. And I am in the family tonight. The war is over. Jesus settled that for me. Thank God. So we have peace with God. Now that's not just the peace of God. That's something you feel inside. This something you may feel it, you may not. It don't matter. If you're saved, you have it. Amen. You have it. We have. All right. Peace with God. Number two, we have access into grace. That's where I got. That's where I got stuck last week. All right. I thought we'd get two and three last week, but I got stuck talking about that grace. Aren't you thankful that our standing in the sight of God is that of grace? We don't deserve to be there. We ought to be in hell. And so the only reason we're standing in His presence and that we have access to Him is by grace. But we not only have access to God, we do have that. And it is a throne room of grace. And you can find grace to help in a time of need. That's what he said, Hebrews 4. But we have access into this grace. The same grace that gives us standing is available and accessible to us for whatever we might need. Go ahead, write the check. The funds are in the bank. Whatever you need, God has grace for that. He has grace for every need. You have access. Now that you're in the family, thank God you get a debit card. Amen. You have access to the funds. You got access to the goods. And you have grace. And here's what we're going to look at tonight. Here's what we didn't get to. But we have hope. So we have peace. We have access. And we have hope. Do you see that at the end of verse number 2? It says, and we rejoice... Let's see, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have hope of glory. In fact, hope is actually kind of the theme that is going to take us through these next few verses. Do you see the word hope in verse number two? And then drop down to verse number four. It's at the end of that little chain there. We're going to look at those links of that chain here in just a minute. 
And then it pops up again in verse number five. And hope maketh not ashamed. And hope maketh not ashamed. And so there's a little theme here. There's a little message in here about hope. So let's focus in on hope. We have peace with God. We have access into grace. And so we'll just title this message tonight, We Have Hope. We have hope. And I'm so thankful that we do. Hope is something that we have when we get saved. It is in our possession immediately at the moment of salvation. Hope is something that this world cannot give you. Hopeless people cannot offer hope and they cannot give you hope. Amen. Hope is something the world can't give you and it's something the devil can't take away from you. Amen. Thank God for that. It is uh, something that you have had none of before you met Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us that we were with no hope. We had no hope. But when we met Jesus, He gave us hope. He is a dealer in hope. Thank God for that. What is hope? Hope is a the Bible word for hope, Bible hope, is a confident expectation. It is more than just a mere wish. It is more than just a strong desire. And you know that I've told you many times, but I'll tell you one more time. It's more than just what we use it for in our modern day vernacular. When we say hope, we want, we talk about things we hope is going to happen. And I always use the illustration every time I clarify that. I always say, well, I hope the Braves win the World Series. Well, they done did. Amen. So... Praise God, that hope came to pass. Thank God for it. And the Bulldogs won the national championship. I didn't know if y'all knew that or not, but they did. And uh, so this is the millennial reign right now. We're living in the... And I saw on Facebook today where uh, uh, little Debbie's coming out with their own ice cream. So this must be the millennial reign right now. Amen. This is... Man, you get, you get some oatmeal cream pie ice cream, and man, I tell you something, this is it. This is it. I got to change my eschatology now. But anyways, I got sidetracked here, but... Uh, Hope. Hope is not something, well, I hope this, I hope this happens. I hope maybe a, a, a very strong desire, something you wish would happen. Bible hope is much different. The, 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 the definition is, is uh, much stronger, and it is just simply a confident expectation. It is something that you know is going to happen. There's no doubt about it. I'm talking about take it to the bank. It's as good as done. Our hope is not shaky. It's not wishy-washy. It's not dependent upon anything other than the promises of God and the character of God and the good word of God. And those things, can I tell you, friend, they never change and they never fail. So your hope is steadfast and your hope is sure. Amen. If you have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that sense or that feeling that can result from realizing that we have security in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the subject of these verses here. It's this last element that we have been talking about. We have peace, we have access, and we have hope. So let's look at these verses and let's see what this text has to say about the hope that we have in Jesus and as a result of our justification. First of all, I want you to point, I want to point out this and I want you to note, I'm going to call it this. Number one, hope's association. Hope's association. Let's look at the end of verse number two and I want you to see what hope is associated with in our text. It tells us that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I want you to mark 
down and underline that little thought of glory right there. Our hope is anchored in the person and in the character of the God who has given us His precious promises. And one of the promises that God has made to us for all believers is glory. We have future glory waiting on us. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of what is today, and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow necessarily. we got some plans. we got some things that plans that we made, but I, I, I don't know. But I do know how this thing ends. I do know how it ends up. And let me just, don't get too excited, but it ends up with the devil in the lake of fire. Amen. And it ends up with all the saints of God around the throne of God in glorified bodies with glorified minds and glorified tongues and glorified hearts and glorified vocabularies. And it, and it ends with all of us praising the name of the Lamb of God forever and ever and ever. That is our prospect. That is our promise. That is our future. And I'm glad to tell you that is what our hope is in. Hope is always associated with glory. Glory is the glorification of the child of God, of the saint of God. You remember I told you, I elaborated on it a little bit last week or uh, on Sunday where we talked about salvation, how it is justification and it is sanctification and it is what? Glorification and justification. That is what I have, I, that is in, in the tense that I have been saved. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. God has saved me. So I can rightly stand up here and say, I have been saved. I'm justified. I can also stand here today and tell you that I am being saved. God is doing a work on me and He is sanctifying me. He is conforming me into the image of His dear Son. I am being saved. But I'm glad I can also stand up in here and, and say this, that I will be saved. Like when the Bible says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Our salvation, there is future saving that is on the schedule for every child of God. Take your Bible and go to, go to chapter 8. Let's just sneak over. We're not supposed to be there yet, but let's just peek over chapter 8. Oh, chapter 8. We better not get bogged down here. And it would be easy to do so. Man, don't you love verse number 28? Man, I love Romans 8, 28. Thank God for that. But I tell you what, man, when we start digging into it, you'll find verse 29 is just as good. And verse 30 is real good too. This is the security of the believer. And we're jumping into a lot of heavy stuff here and I ain't got time to get into all of it. But let me show you one thing. It says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And here's really the phrase I want to look at right here. It says, And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Do you see that? Those that he justified, who has been justified in here, say amen. That means you've been saved, all right? That's past tense. It's already happened. You ain't got to do it again. It won't ever happen again. You've been justified one time. That moment you put faith and trust in Jesus, you're justified. You are declared righteous. You are declared holy. You are made right in the sight of God. But notice what he says here. Those that are justified, he also has what? Glorified. You know what that means? That means it's just as good as already done. Do you see little Ed? You see Ed? Ed has sneaked in here. Now, Ed ain't in here tonight. I don't see Brother Ed here. But I'm not talking about big... He can't sneak anywhere, big old guy. But I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Ed. Ed, Ed sneaked all in. He snuck, snuck, sneaking. He is snucketh. Snuck, he sneaketh in these verses here. All through here. You see, you see that? Hey, justify Ed. There he is. And glorify Ed. 
man, and call Ed. Man, there's a, you know, that's all passing. When Ed shows up to the scene, just know this about Ed. When he shows up in a verse, it just simply, he's there to tell you the job is already done. Just remember that. Ed always shows up to tell you the job has already been completed. It's as good as done. And Ed just jumped on glorify there. Did you see that? And now it's glorify Ed. And you know what that means? If you've been justify Ed, you're already glorify Ed. In fact, you know what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2? He said we're already seat Ed in Christ in heavenly places. We're all, Man, when Ed shows up, he's, he's there to tell us that the job has already been been done. It's as good as done. And I want to tell you something tonight. Your glorification, though it, you may look around and you realize that, how many of y'all realize even today you're still living in a sin-cursed world? How many realize even today, how many have been slapped in the face with reality and realize that you're still living in a sin-cursed body and this temptation and all kind of uh, 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 just the ailments that come along with living in this flesh. We've all struggled with that reality already today, but I come by to tell you here tonight that it's already just as good as done. If you're in Christ, our glorification is going to take place in our time, but in God's time, it is already taking place. Because he don't live in time. He dwells. He does not inhabit time. He inhabits eternity. Amen. So that's the best way we can understand it. But and from our perspective, we're going to be glorified one day. We're all going to be partakers in the glory of God. What I'm saying about hope is this. Is that our hope is always associated with future glory. It's always Our hope is in something. Our hope is in not the stock market. Our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is not in some sports team or, or some, uh, some preacher somewhere. Our hope is in this promise that has been made to us that one day we will be partakers in the glory of God. There's an old writer I like to read behind Albert Barnes, and I just like, I don't always uh, quote other people. Usually I just quote them and then just make you think it was me that said it, but... Y'all would have known I wouldn't have said this, so I'm going to tell you who it was. Here's what he said. The word glory, here's what he says, usually means splendor, magnificence, honor. And the apostle here refers to that honor and dignity which will be conferred on the redeemed when they are raised up to the full honors of redemption. When they shall triumph in the completion of the work and be freed from sin and pain and tears and permitted to participate in the full splendors that shall encompass the throne of God in the heavens. Man, I, I just read I said copy and paste. Man, that is good right there. Hope is always associated with future glory. We will be glorified. This is how this thing turns out. We know how it's going to end. It don't matter. You say, look at everything that's going on right now. What is going on right now is irrelevant to the fact that one day we will be glorified. And that is our basis for rejoicing. That's what he says, right? In our verse, verse 2, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What do we rejoice in? We rejoice in what is sure and what is settled and what is fixed and what is final and what is forever, right? That's what Jesus told those disciples. I preached on that the other day, Snow Church, right? That we joy in the fact that our names are written in Heaven, what does that mean? That means we got glory waiting on us. Amen. Thank God for it. So hope's association, it's always associated with the future glory, our glorification. That's what our, that is our hope. 
That is our hope. Our future is secure. And in that, we rejoice. Number two, not only hope's association, but secondly, I want you to notice tonight, hope's assembly. I want to call it hope's assembly. Because what I see in verses 3 and 4, let's look at these verses together tonight. Verses 3 and 4, God has put together, I'm going to call it a divine assembly line is what it is. There's an assembly line. How many of you have ever worked on an assembly line? You start with something and then it turns into something else as it goes on down the line. And that's exactly what we have here. This divine assembly line, what does it do? Well, we see what's at the end of the line. Look at the end of verse number four. What's the very last word of verse number four? Is hope. That's where it ends. That's what it turns into. It is hope. And God uses this divine assembly line to manufacture hope within the child of God. We need hope. We, got, we, we can't live without it. In fact, when somebody feels hopeless, that's when they think about uh, taking their life and just ending it all and not going on anymore. We cannot live without hope. All, there has to be hope. Now, a lot of people have hope in false things that keep them going uh, temporarily. But our hope is so secure that we should never, the child of God is never without hope, even when they feel hopeless. And in order for us to make it in life, we have to know that our, that, that our future is secure, that God has secured our future no matter what is going on in the present. Because I'm going to tell you something, you're going to go through some hard times and you're going to go through some troubles and you're going to go through some difficult times and you have to be able to tell yourself. You've got to be able to remind yourself. You've got to be able to do but with eyes of faith and a heart of faith. You've got to be able to do some spiritual inventory sometimes when your physical eyes are seeing everything's bad. You've got to be able to have some eyes of faith that can look in the storehouse that God has, has put together for the child of God. And you got to see, yes, it is that. There. there is hope. There is hope. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it. People may not be acting like it. But there it is because God put it there. And He said, as long as I'm His child, I got it. It's there in the storehouse. I may not always show it in the showcase, but I promise it's in the storehouse. Amen. Thank God. I have hope. We have hope. You can make it through anything if you have hope. You can do anything. Man, you read stories. I ain't got time to go into things I'm thinking about tonight, but you can read stories of, uh, of men that were captured and prisoners of war and all kind of things, awful things, horrible things. And you know what kept them going? They had some hope. They had hope. You can go through about anything when you have hope. And we have hope that is so secure. Our hope is not in a rescue team or a SWAT team. Our hope is not in uh, some government official or some, uh, uh, some military. Ca- Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is secure. Hope is, uh, hope is one of those things, though, and this is what I want to show you in these verses here. Hope is one of those things that we really enjoy the outcome. We like hope. We want hope. But we may not enjoy the process. We, it's one of them things where you, you like what comes out at the end, but you may not really want to know how it all gets made. Kind of like chicken nuggets, McNuggets from McDonald's. I love the outcome. Somebody say amen right there. I don't, don't send me no YouTube videos about how they make chicken McNuggets. I don't want to know. Don't send me that. Don't tell me about that. Uh, we're talking about hot dogs and pepperonis and things. I love pepperoni. Don't, don't you send me a little article about pepperoni and how it's made and all that. I love pepperonis. I grab them out of the bag and eat them. I don't eat hot dogs, but I read something the other day, and I was sharing it with my wife, and she, uh, she really didn't like this, so I'm going to tell it to you. But 
something about hot dogs. It said that hot dogs is really just pureed meat that has been uh, that has been shoved inside animal lining, you know, intestines. It's cased by animal intestines. How many of y'all? Everybody okay? All right. Clean up on aisle four over there. Yeah. That's all it is. And so really, when you eat a hot dog, I don't eat hot dogs now, but you folks that eat, when you eat a hot dog, it's really still the same thing. It's pureed meat inside of, encased with intestine. It doesn't cease to be a hot dog. In fact, you become part of the hot dog. And so, therefore, when you eat a hot dog, you are a hot dog is what you are. That's what I read the other day. made sense to me. made perfect sense to me. It's one of them things where... We like, the, we like the outcome, but we don't want to know, we, we don't want to deal with the process. I mean, everybody okay? Some of y'all turned in green back here. Why, what do we like? We like hope. We like hope. But see where the process starts. Where does it start? Look at verse 3. Not only so, but we glory in what? Tribulation. Who wants to sign up for that? Who likes problems? Who likes trouble? You know what tribulation? Tribulation is pressure. That's what it means. It means to be under pressure. Man, I can think about times in my life, and I haven't lived that long. And we're not here to compare because, listen, what might be heavy on me may not be heavy on you. And what you've been through, I may not have ever been through something that bad or something like that. But I'm going to tell you, honestly, when you're going through something, it don't matter what anybody else has been through. Pressure feels like pressure. If it's the hardest thing you've ever been through, then it's the hardest thing you've ever been through, no matter if somebody else has been through something harder. Amen. So it's, it's, there is a little bit of relativity to it, but at the same time, man, it's just it's, it's real to us. This is the pressure that trouble brings in our life. Nobody wants this. Nobody signs up for it. Nobody, nobody wants trouble. Nobody wants tribulation. But how many of you know it comes to us all? Jesus himself said, In this world ye shall have tribulation. You shall have tribulation. It's going to come. You can't avoid it. It will be, it will be, there will be trouble times. But look, that's what's for, that's how it starts. Okay. That's just step one on the assembly line. But when that trouble comes in our life and it begins working on us and it begins, it begins doing something to us, something happens. It, 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 it transforms. It, it turns into something. Look, what's next on the assembly line? Tribulation worketh what? Patience. You know what tribulation will do? Tribulation will make you patient. You know, that word patient, a lot of times we use it in the, in the sense of being, uh, being good at, at waiting. And that, and that is a part of it, no doubt about it. But being good at waiting, you know, like being able to stand in a long line without getting real mad or being able to wait in the doctor's office, you know, without yelling at somebody or something. That's patience. That's patience. But really, the Bible word patience here, it's a, it, it is that. It's no less than that, but it is more than that. It's endurance. It's being able to stay faithful and stay steadfast. It's being able to stay at it. It's being able to endure. It's having that endurance that is built up. And the only way that you'll ever be able to endure and have endurance where every little thing don't throw you to the side and throw you out of this thing, the only way to do that is you've got to have some trouble. And that trouble breaks you down. And guess what? It, then it builds up patience in your life. Even though you might be breaking down, actually what it's doing is it's building you up. And you're getting stronger. Now they say it, that's the way it works in weightlifting. I wouldn't know. 
my arms look like spaghetti noodles. I mean, they when I, I mean, when I wear a tank top, which I don't ever do that, but if I did, it looked like. All right, let's move off. Let's go back to the hot dog. You want to talk about hot dogs again? It's probably a little, a little more appealing. But anyway, I don't know anything about weightlifting. Um, but those of you that might, I, but they tell me this about weightlifting, that when you're in the gym, you see them guys, and of course I'm over there on like the little cycle machine, you know, drinking a Yoo-Hoo. But those guys over there, Man, them big old dudes over there, and they, rah, they're lifting up them big weights, and they got muscles, and they got muscles on their muscles, and they got muscles everywhere. Got them big weights. They tell me, that, and you look over and say, man, they're building muscle. Look at them guys building muscle. But here's the thing. They're not building muscle. In fact, when they're lifting weight, when you're lifting weights, they tell me, you're not building muscle. You're actually tearing it down. What happens, what, what happens is, is when you lift those weights, that's pressure. That's tribulation, right? You're putting stress on those muscles. It's actually tearing them down. But when you quit lifting those weights and you go home and sleep at night and you rest, you know what? Those muscles, they begin to regenerate and they build back. And guess what? They come back stronger. They come back bigger. That you're, they're building muscle while they're resting, not while they're lifting. But that lifting tears it down so, they can, so it can build up more. Now, if I'm not right on that, don't tell me because that's a great illustration, all right? And I've been using that for a long time. Patience. Tribulation works patience. You see that? Endurance. The more you go through, the more you can take. And then the, this assembly line keeps on going, right? So we've got tribulation, and then we've got patience. And then after you've, you've been under the stress, you've been under the pressure, you've been under the trouble, and it's, and it's given you patience and endurance, and you're stronger, now what do you have? You've got experience. Now you've been through some things. Now, now, now you've got some notches on your belt. That word experience, it just simply means proof. It means you've got evidence. You've been through some things. And now, now when the tribulation comes, you can take it just a little bit better and you're able to look back and say, oh yeah, we're going to be just fine because uh, I've already been through something like this before. you got experience. See, we all want the experience, but we don't want what it takes to go through the experience. Right? Man, I tell you what, I look at some of these older preachers and I think, man, that's what I want to be. I want to, man, I want to be one of them old men of God and love God, sir, have the power of God. But man, some of them old preachers, they've been through some hard things. And I said, is there any way I could get there without all that? That would be great. But it don't, how many of y'all know it don't work that way? It don't work that way. God's going to, God's got to rip your heart out a couple times or let your heart get ripped out a couple times. Let your back get stabbed a few times. Let your disappointments crush you a few times. Let things overwhelm you just a few times before you'll ever have that experience. But we got to have it. Because when experience moves on down the line, what does it ultimately produce in our life? It produces hope. I don't like tribulation, but God uses it. And he moves it on down the line because he's producing hope in your life. This is so wonderful. Get a hold of this right here. 
that it takes the hard times and it takes the tough times to give you endurance and so you can stay at it and stay steadfast in this thing. A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Amen. And so you got to have those tests. And then the, that gives you the experience. That gives you all the proof that you need to have hope in the midst of whatever circumstances you're in. You can look and say, God did it back then and so I know He can do it again. I know because He delivered me back there. I am not hopeless in my situation where I'm at because all those problems, all those heartaches, all those heartbreaks, they are giving me and have produced hope inside of me right now that keeps me going. So you don't like problems. I don't like problems. You don't like trouble. I don't like trouble. But that's the only way to put hope inside of you for you to actually experience it. You have it if you're saved. But for you to experience it, and know it. And because that's, the, that's really the word in verse number 3. Knowing that tribulations work at patience. For you to know it. And be able to operate inside of it. you got to have that trouble in your life. And my hope cannot be dashed because God has come through every single time. And so you know what that lets me know? He will come through every single time. That gives me hope. And while we'd never sign up for it, for tribulation, that is. That's how we get hope. And that's why he said in verse number 3, not only so, but we glory in tribulation. So we glory in hope. We love glorying in hope. Yes, we have hope. But then when the tribulation comes, Paul said, we glory in those problems too. Why in the world? That's crazy. That's not... See, listen to me. That, that, that's, 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 that's opposite of what should happen, right? When problems come, that's when the hope should go, Right? When problems come, when tribulation comes, that's when the hope should be dashed. But it's not so for a Christian. (laughs) He said, I'm going to take in problems and I'm going to turn them into hope. And that's how God works in the Christian's life. It's totally, totally opposite. And you can see that. You can see, I've seen it. You can have the same exact event go on in two people's lives. One's a believer, one's an unbeliever. One of them, it crushes them. It absolutely just demolishes them. And the other, though they're sad and they sorrow, no doubt about it, but yet there is a hopefulness that cannot be broken. And though they bend, they do not break because that tribulation has produced hope inside of them. That's what James was talking about in James 1 when he said, count it all joy, right? When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God is maturing us, and He does that through trouble and tribulation, temptations. All right, one last thing, and I'm done. Not only hope's association, we see hope's assembly, how it's all assembled together. <clears throat> but then, thirdly, hope's assurance. And that is in verse number 5. And I love this. Man, I love this verse. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. There's some assurance with God's hope that He gives. Have you ever, uh, have you ever uh, put hope in something or someone only to be a little embarrassed about it later? I know I have. If you, you know, if you are a Braves fan, or if you are a Georgia Bulldogs fan, or if you are a Atlanta Falcons fan, 
Man, I tell you what, you can put hope in a team. And, man, I remember that night, Falcons were winning the Super Bowl for like three quarters, man. It was looking good. They were doing good. We were up 28 to 3, man. Game's almost over. 28 to 3. And that, you know, I didn't want to let myself think they could win because we don't ever win. But then, I mean, 28 to 3. So that's when you start trash talking and, you know, start, booyah, we're going to die, we're going to win. Only to be real embarrassed later. You ever put your hope in something? Only to be embarrassed. You know, people do it all the time. And you see, listen, it's going it's gonna to happen. It happens every two years, but really, it really big happens every four years. People put all their hope in a candidate. Oh, this is it. Oh, man, they're the, I mean, this is it. They're the bee's knees. I mean, they're the second coming of the Messiah. This is it. I mean, this is the greatest thing ever. We're going to win. Only, listen, somebody always loses. Amen. And now that they know how to rig it, we know who it's always going to (laughs) be. Come on, tell me I'm wrong. You don't put your hope in anything going on up in D.C., anything kind of election, any kind of candidate. But I tell you what was fun a couple years ago. They showed uh, <laughs> that night Trump won the election. Man, they showed all those Hillary Clinton supporters. I'm on, I'd, li- I'd be lying if I said that, didn't, that wasn't pretty awesome to watch all those people. I mean, these people, did you see them? I mean, these, these, they have, I saw one video of these young ladies, and they're, I mean, they're, I mean, they're mascara you know, running down their face, and, and they're just screaming, like a little three-year-old. That's when you know, listen, you've put too much hope in an election. You've got grown people acting like three-year-olds. Of course, they're still acting like three-year-olds. But Man, I tell you what, don't put your hope in those things. People know only to be embarrassed, only to be devastated. You know, there's got, when, you, when you really, and even, even things that are a little more sacred, a little more serious sometimes people, and you, when somebody lets you down that you really built up, when somebody, when somebody lets you down that you really had some confidence in, it makes you, you're not just sad. It's not crying like those Hillary Clinton supporters, but it makes you feel kind of silly, doesn't it? You feel silly, like, why would I even trust them? Why would I? Man, I, and you look back and you just feel so silly. You feel, that's what that Bible word meant, ashamed, to be ashamed. I'm just, why, why did I believe in them? Why did I trust in them? just for them to let me down. Can I tell you something? Politicians will let you down. Sports teams will let you down, especially if they're from Georgia. I'm tell you what, even preachers will let you down. They will. I've let people down before. I have, no doubt about it. I, I, I've, disappointed, I've disappointed people before. I know I have. So I read the other day, somebody said, pastoring is... Uh, uh, Pastoring is disappointing people at a rate they can absorb. <laughs> it may take you a minute to think about that, but there's actually some truth in that. Disappointing people at a rate they can absorb. But you let, you let people in. But let me tell you something about God. Let me tell you something about His hope. You'll never, ever, ever feel silly trusting in Him. He'll never leave you hanging. He'll never do you wrong. And I'm going to tell you something. When we get to the end of this thing, I promise you, you will not be ashamed that you put all your eggs in His basket. 
You will not be ashamed. He's not going to leave you hanging. I promise you, this thing is going to turn out right. I know the world's crowd looks like they're winning. They look like they're ha- they look like they're having all the fun. It looks like everything's going their way. But can I tell you, one day, friend, one trumpet sounds, and this whole thing turns around, and the tables are going to turn, and you will be glad you had God as your hope. He won't leave you hanging. You will not be ashamed. You will never hang your head and say, Man, why did I even think about going with God? It's never happened. And it never will happen. And where does this assurance come from? I ain't got time to preach it, but we're going to get to it in these next few weeks. But look at the end of verse number 5. Or verse 5 continues. He said, Because the love of God... Man, I'm going to have to borrow a couple minutes here tonight. I'm going to tell you something. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Where does this assurance come from? Preacher, how do you know? How do you know God's not going to leave you hanging? How do you know everything's going to turn out right? How do you know we're on the right side? Because God put a Holy Ghost inside of me, and I'm going to tell you what that Spirit's been doing inside of me, and He's doing it inside of you too if you're saved by the grace of God. It says that He's shedding abroad the love of God. You know what that means? That means to pour like in excess, like a bunch. That means like to douse. I mean to just dump it on you right there. And I'm going to tell you how I know that this hope is real and it's right and it ain't going to leave us hanging. It's because God has been pouring love into my soul. He's been pouring love into my heart. Holy Ghost. And through those tribulations and through those trials and on them hard days and when it seems everybody's against you, nobody likes you, I'm glad there's a Holy Ghost inside of you that knows how to just pick you up and wrap His arms around you and He pours that love inside of you. Thank God. And that hope is assured. And He lets me know time and time again, I will not leave you hanging. This thing's going to turn out just right. It's going to turn out just fine. You keep serving me. You keep plodding on. You keep being faithful. And I will not leave you ashamed at the end of this thing. That's our hope. That's our hope. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your word.